HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This series is brought to you by the Restaurant Workers Community Foundation, an advocacy and action nonprofit created by and for restaurant workers. Hi, I'm Kiki Luya, and this is Shift Work by Restaurant Workers Community Foundation, a podcast bringing you stories from the heart of the restaurant industry. Each week, I'll introduce you to leaders who are working to transform hospitality. You'll also hear from folks who are in the restaurant trenches to hear firsthand some of the challenges they face. This week, I'm talking to Sheila Bennett, Executive Director of CORE, a nonprofit that supports restaurant workers with children. And we just want to note, throughout the episode, folks are going to refer to people who can have children as women. But we know and understand the importance of offering support to anyone on the gender spectrum who may get pregnant. But first, meet Beverly Kim, a Chicago restaurant owner, mother of three, and founder of Abundance Setting. My name is Beverly Kim. Um, I am a mother of three children, um, all under the ages of uh, 12, uh, 12, five, and two and a half. I've been in this industry since I was 16, Um, graduated from culinary school when I was 20, and uh, worked in many different kitchens throughout my career. But when I found out I was pregnant when I was 30, um, I was very excited, but I also was very scared um, because I didn't have like very many um, support systems in place. Even my own mom was like, okay, well, you're going to quit your job, right? You're going to, this whole chef thing is not going to work out. But I was really determined to, to keep going regardless of it being very difficult. I had my own health care at the time, and uh, but I found out that it didn't cover um, any maternity or any kind of um, the covering the whole pregnancy and giving them the birth. And so financially, me and my partner, my now husband, we struggled like to figure that those things out financially. I was also like on the hotline, which was fine, but like when I got really big and um, I was embarrassed to say how I was struggling. Um, you know, carrying everything up and down the stairs and, um, you know, it, it, it's a kitchen, so it's hot. It's, it's, it's busy when you're standing on your feet for 12 hours. I knew that it wasn't necessarily the right fit for me. So I decided at like six and a half months to like transfer to Whole Foods, which was like a grocery store and work in their kitchen. So I quickly learned it was still a struggle. I didn't want to say anything because 
I didn't want to lose my job or like feel like I was a weak part of the team. And so I, I literally worked till I was like 10 days overdue, which, you know, I was thankful and had like healthy and everything. But uh, I think the struggle was I felt really alone to talk about the whole process and um, judged by my peers. It's really, really important we address this because it will continue to be the 67% women in leadership. Many women want to be mothers and there's before and after mother and it like it doesn't ever get really totally easier until maybe they're often independent. Um, but especially when they're young, um, there's definitely uh, a struggle and a lot of women get either drop out of the careers or just knowing the fact that there's no real clear support systems, they decide that this is not uh, a career for them. Sheila Bennett is a 30-year restaurant industry veteran and executive director of CORE, where she and her team are working to reach and provide a safety net to restaurant families in crisis. Welcome, Sheila. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, Kiki, thank you for having us here to talk about CORE, Children of Restaurant Employees. You are so welcome. It is my pleasure. Um, And from my understanding, you joined CORE last year. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about your work there? Well, actually, it was two years ago. Oh, gosh. Time is flying. (laughs) Pretty much two months after, or less than two months after starting with CORE, the pandemic hit. And we realized that, you know, there were many employees around the country that were going to need CORE even beyond what we normally provide, which is we are there for employees with children who work in any kind of food service or beverage service operation when the employee, their spouse, or child faces a medical crisis, diagnosis, injury that would keep them from work, death of the employee, spouse, or child, or loss of home or place of work due to a natural disaster. Hmm. Wow. That's such incredibly important work. Um, And, you know, you actually sent along some stats before we were able to chat that I want to call out um, because they, I think are really, um, they, they are very impactful and I think um, it'll help, you know, some of our listeners maybe understand a little bit more about um, kind of the crisis situations that you're referring to. I want to share some new stats with you. As of the year 2021, 58% of CORE grantees were single parents, 55% single mothers, 3% single fathers. And what I will say about this industry is it's a great industry of opportunity, but it also offers and affords flexibility to single parents so they can come into work after they've dropped their kids off at school or childcare. And many times they can work, you know, a lunch shift and then they're able to be there for their child after school and pick them up. So it affords great flexibility, but sometimes there's a trade-off with that. Um, There are, of course, a lot of conversations going on in the industry today where many restaurants are leaning back on their insurance providers, which they've been trying to do for a long time. But now that this conversation has bubbled up to the national stage, insurance companies are also listening. 
And there are some brands that have leaned back saying, well, we want to provide some level of benefits to all of our employees, and we want you to give us better pricing. So we provide them with better better bulk pricing. And I'll give you an example there. Um, Smoky Bones, which is an employer of choice, and actually right now, they're pretty much fully staffed. And they are attracting, but they leaned on their insurance providers and said, can you give us reduced pricing so we can at least offer a discounted rate to all employees? And then they implemented other programs as well, such as an you know EEOC hotline available to every employee and other programs. So a lot of restaurants are beginning to offer these kinds of programs as they're learning more about it. That's becoming center stage. It's an industry of sharing best practices. But yes, um, there are a large number of grantees to core that are single parents, which amplifies the need. And what I'll say there is, you know, 84% of our grants are for a medical crisis. And in the U.S. alone, any American not just the restaurant industry, but any American, medical bills are the number one cause of bankruptcy in America. So with that, knowing that a large percentage of our grants are for a medical crisis, it's lovely to know that a resource like CORE exists to be able to be a financial resource. I wanted you to share a story about one of the um, CORE grantees, and that is an incredible story. Um, and, you know, I wonder if, obviously, you know, I, I also am a restaurant worker, or I should say former restaurant worker at this point, um, and um, had to make some hard decisions, I think, as a woman of a certain age in the industry as to whether or not, um, you know, my situation would allow me to be able to start a family, um, whether I had, you know, the appropriate resources to support that. Um, and, you know, could you maybe talk a little bit about what it might be like, what kind of choices women in the industry um, have to make? What is their experience? Really, my area of expertise for the call today is core and what we do and what we provide versus speaking on behalf of everyone in the industry. And my experience working in restaurant operations, you know, goes back to beginning of my career, <laughs> even though I've been very involved with Women's Food Service Forum, the National Restaurant Association, and other organizations. But I, I see um, the industry from a different lens. I see it as the industry of opportunity. I see it that, you know, you don't even have to have a college degree and you can be your own franchisee. You can own your own business. You can choose your hours, you know, and it offers so many wonderful things. So that's the lens. And I think that right now, especially with a lot of conversations taking place, that a lot of companies are pushing back like they have been for a long time with their insurance companies. But I think it's the insurance companies now that are listening and opening up, you know, the opportunity to also look at what they can do to help these organizations that are asking for help. I do think that that is a really important lens to look at the industry with, especially at a time like we are right now, where a lot of things feel like they are insurmountable challenges, right? We're dealing with a lot in for restaurant workers and also obviously restaurants themselves, and people are having to make some hard choices. I think that we, a lot of times we focus on the negative or what seems like areas of the industry that we need to improve. Versus really thinking about some of the great things that the industry offers for people all over the country, right? And I, you had just mentioned that there is actually a lot of opportunity 
right? You can have training on the job. You don't have to go to culinary school, for example. Um, You can be a franchisee. You can be an owner. There are a lot of different pathways. And, you know, even at the beginning of our conversation, Sheila, you'd mentioned, and, you know, you can also choose the kind of establishment that you want to work in, whether that be a daytime establishment or, you know, nighttime hours, whatever it is that serves your lifestyle and that of your family. So um, I actually think that it's a really great point of view. Um, and if you want to, you know, dive into that a little bit, I'm very much happy to because I think it's something that it's nice to have some positivity, <laughs> right, in the podcast. And I mean, I don't know if there are many industries that are perfect. And the restaurant industry is always trying to, you know, get better, you know, and different organizations. That's why you're seeing also in the media that different organizations are just thinking differently about the types of benefits or flex schedules or different things they offer their employees or training programs. There are so many people just in the world that they've gotten their first work experience in restaurants or food service and beverage service operations. It offers great training because I remember even my stepson got a job in a quick service restaurant and it offered him the opportunity to understand, wow, I've got to show up on time just like school. You know, sometimes I have homework I have to do. I've got to study. I've got to be prepared. And then I I learn processes and operations and that foundation and training benefits you in any business that you go into. So it's a wonderful training ground. It's also an industry of opportunity. What I mean by that, there are many organizations too that award scholarships. The NREEF right now has their application system open through the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation through March 15th. And if you're seeking a career in any type of kind of food or beverage service, you could go to be a food scientist. You may go and want to be a manager or a chef. You know, there are various things or dietitian. You can apply for a scholarship. And there are many corporations also that have scholarships available to the employees, children, or employees. La Dame d'Escoffier awards scholarships to various chapters around the country to women. So great opportunities out there for even continued education and learning. You can also work your way up and be a trainer at a restaurant and then have the opportunity to be on an opening team, learn local store marketing or training, and then get involved with other organizations and you know move up the leadership chain. It could also prepare you for a different career connected to the industry, which has great value, as well as the industry. That's how I started out. I started out as a hostess at Ruby Tuesdays in Nashville, worked my way up to be a server, then a bartender and a floor supervisor, and then I went on the opening team. And from there, I met the folks at a food service distribution company and got a position with them, and they were owned by the Sara Lee Corporation at the time. So, and then my career has, you know, propelled from that point. So there are many organizations, too, that offer leadership opportunities and franchise opportunities. So I think the opportunities are there if you are asked for it, you apply yourself, and then too, you've got to see where you are at the stage in your life and what you're ready for. And that's the beauty of this industry too, because again, if you're a single mom or dad, you can work the day shift and be there for your kids when they're home from school. So um, I thank you very much, Sheila, for um, you know talking a little bit about 
you know, what your experience has been in the industry and also talking um, or shedding a light on some of the positive aspects of the industry that, um, you know, you were able to experience and I think others are able to also take advantage of. Um, I will say that I I I, I am curious, um, and I, I hope you don't mind a little gentle pushing back on this, um, just because you know this is shift work, and we do talk about some of the more systemic issues um, that we are facing in the restaurant industry, and you know I I will I I would speaking from personal experience, um, my own just my own personal experience, my own lived experience, um, I see that. The opportunities that exist, there are still some barriers to accessing them um, for, um, in other words, a lot of it depends on, you know, your, I actually, you know what, I'm actually going to take a step back on that because one, um, one, so I am a African-American woman and um, one of the issues that I have experienced when working in the industry, especially um, you know, in my younger years, in my twenties, um, and when I was just getting started was that I was often overlooked, um, for opportunity, um, in favor of say my white counterparts, or, you know, I would work very, very hard and I would kind of see some patterns and mind you, not every single restaurant that I worked at had this pattern. Um, I didn't see this, you know, happening all over the place. I actually worked at some really wonderful establishments and created some of my own that I feel very proud of. Um, but I am curious, you know, because there is a lot of conversation about how women in the industry do not necessarily have as many opportunities as say men in the industry. And actually when you look at, you know, the statistics around leadership and people who hold, you know, the title of chef, it's a very, very small percentage of women in comparison to men. Um, and, you know, I'm just curious what, um, you know, you might say, for example, to someone like me, um, you know, 20 years ago or whatever it is, who's saying, hey, you know, I don't think that I'm experiencing the same thing. What do I what am I doing wrong? Um, or, you know, what could I do differently so that I, um, you know, can be supported in the same ways that I see others being supported? Oh, that's a great comment and question. I'm so sorry that you had that experience as well. And what I will recommend to anyone listening today is wherever you're working, find a mentor, find somebody in a leadership position within that organization and speak up. Let them know that you want opportunity, that you want to learn. And then in a respectful way, you know, start learning these other roles and what they do. Be curious. And that was some advice I received from a leader many years ago. And then I was at um, the Create Conference a few months ago and speaking to some of my friends in the industry as well who are now in leadership positions and they're persons of color. And we had this conversation and they would also say the same thing. And also the Women's Visitors Forum has the 10 core competencies identified that women need. And I would say that really anybody needs to move up into a leadership position. And number one is risk taking. 
Are you taking a risk at that job? Are you being fearless? Are you open to opportunities? And are you speaking up in a respectful way and saying, I'm ready to learn more? I've now excelled in this particular role. You know, be the best you can be every day and then speak up, you know, and also share information. But, you know, get a mentor that can speak volumes. Get somebody who's your advocate and then ask them, what do I need to learn? What opportunities do you see here for me? Oh, there, and but then identify maybe where you want to go. I think that that is great advice, Sheila. And actually, you're not the first person on this podcast to say exactly that, which is find a mentor. I hear that over and over and over again. And I also believe that to be incredibly important, a mentor and an advocate of sorts, right? Someone to kind of teach you how to advocate for yourself and who will also help advocate on your behalf. Um, I think it's excellent advice. Um, I know that, you know, the pandemic has obviously had um, a pretty big impact um, on our industry. And I'm just curious from some of your uh, grantees, what are some of the challenges that they have experienced and how has CORE stepped in um, in order to provide more support? Wow, that's a great question. I mean, I can just give you examples um, of people that we've helped and what they're dealing with and going through. And two, if you know someone who may qualify for a core grant, please tell them about core because we're here for them. But we've had um, folks that actually there's a family now that the son has a reoccurring brain tumor and is having to go through surgery and treatment for a second time. So a financial grant from us in which we're paying rent and mortgage directly for a month. So the mom and dad in this situation have the opportunity to make sure their child is able to go through treatment. They can get their child to treatment and surgery and be there to care through them for that recovery period as well. And then B, there is a young girl that was being diagnosed, a daughter of a single mom who was a bartender being diagnosed with epilepsy. Well, when you're going through a diagnosis like this, you're going to a neurologist, you have numerous appointments, you're going through testing, and they're also trying to put the patient on medication and then regulate it over a time period to find out what's going to work. So therefore, you need medication, you need treatment. So again, what CORE does is we will cover these following expenses, rent or mortgage, and we pay that directly. Then we have a trackable visa gift card, a core visa gift card, which we may provide for other expenses for that month. Um, Utilities, you know, water, gas, electricity, or there may be a car payment involved, which we will pay that directly because you can't pay it with a credit card. Or we may know that you're going to have prescriptions filled. Also money for food and groceries. And so your grant and the average grant last year ranged around $2,400. Now, a grant could range from $500 up to $4,000 based on the individual need of that specific family. Also, there was um, someone that was in a car wreck and they were injured and they had to go through physical therapy and they went to the emergency room. So there were medical bills. They missed work. They were informed not to work for a set number of weeks. But once again, we covered the living expenses 
and then gave them the Visa gift card for some out-of-pocket um, cost, as well as utilities, groceries, prescriptions. And in that case, they needed some medical equipment. So we were able to provide funds for some of the medical equipment they needed. Um, sadly, we've had um, a spouse pass away or an employee, a restaurant employee pass away. And they needed help with funeral costs or travel because the burial or spreading of ashes was going to be at another location, which they were not living in their home base anymore. So we helped cover some of those costs. So it ranges. Um, we've had, unfortunately, and I mean, sadly, documented cases of domestic abuse. And we do require documentation for everything that a person is asking for, um, medical diagnosis, you know, documented domestic abuse situations. We just help pay the first month's rent of a young woman for she and her child to move into a new living place, a new apartment. So they could remove themselves from that situation. And there was also um, mothers that were giving birth prematurely and their babies were in NICU. Well, they required hospitalization for a short time and so did their babies. So, you know, there was another gentleman that had a torn Achilles heel and had to go through physical therapy and couldn't work for six months. Now, we didn't cover six months work, but just that one month of knowing that his bills were covered took that stress away and helped him focus on his recovery. It's actually, it's a very common, um, I'm finding it's a very common injury in the restaurant industry. I have a good friend who is currently in recovery um, with an Achilles heel surgery and has been out of work for, I think, four months now. And um, the recovery time is just, it's it's very long. Um, and so imagine what that does to your to your family, right? Um, Sheila, such important work that you're doing at CORE. And, you know, we typically end shift work with a series of rapid fire questions. Um, so before we get into those, and also after a short break, I wanted to ask one um, kind of last uh, question around what we've been talking about so far, which is, you know, systemic change. Um, and my question is, if if there was one systemic change that you could make to prevent workers and working mothers from experiencing this level of crisis that we've been discussing, what would it be and, and why? You know, that's a really good question. I would just say if there is any way to begin some type of savings plan, whether it's putting $5 away a month or 10 or whatever you can afford, you know, build up some type of financial safety net. So you have something to rely on because number one, no one planned on a pandemic. We didn't know this was happening. And then just budget and choose wisely. And also go to the CORE website because we have at the bottom of the page, you'll find family information or family resources. We have a page that will also identify other resources available for families that may be going through a crisis. And there is also information around um, financial planning. And recently, I believe we uploaded a monthly budget worksheet. You know, are you identifying what you're spending each month? I remember back in my 20s when I was working in the restaurants, I didn't do a really good job of budgeting back then and paying attention of how much money was coming in and how much money was going out. And at the time, 
we had a tendency to go and just really socialize more and spend more. And I didn't save as I saved a little bit, but probably not what I could have. And so I would say, if there's a way that you can do that, that would be great. Also, when you're looking for a position or if you're looking for a position in the industry, you know, look at those organizations that are, you know, pushing back. And um, what I mean by pushing back is pushing back on their insurance and benefit providers. And they're offering some of these attractive things, you know, for their employees. And then even, you know, talk to your current employees and say, do you know that some of these resources are out there? There are some best practices of what other companies can do. And they're getting some of this information too from state restaurant associations as well and other organizations in the industry. But I would say just try working on some type of financial safety net, understand what your monthly spend is. And I even put a spreadsheet together for me to go. And that helps me kind of get control of what I'm doing as well. Thank you, Sheila. I think there, you know, would be some listeners who would very much appreciate hearing um, you know, that, that information, those tips. Um, we are going to take a short break and we'll be back with more shift work. This series is brought to you by the Restaurant Workers Community Foundation, an advocacy and action nonprofit created by and for restaurant workers. We are a nationwide community dedicated to making the restaurant industry more hospitable for everyone. By addressing quality of life issues that disproportionately affect restaurant workers, 40% of whom live on poverty level wages, we hope to strengthen the workforce and increase opportunity for advancement in the industry to more people. The restaurant industry is notorious for low wages, poor job mobility, high turnover, and burnout. But it doesn't have to be that way. Visit restaurantworkerscf.org to learn more about what we're doing to make change and join us. Welcome back to Shift Work. On this episode, we've been focusing on women in the hospitality industry. We'll get back to my conversation with Sheila Bennett shortly. First, John DeBerry, RWCF's co-founder and board president, has some resources to share. Hi, I'm John DeBerry, co-founder of Restaurant Workers Community Foundation. Did you know that the cost of quality childcare has increased more than 40% since the beginning of the pandemic? Even though restaurant worker wages have started to rise, lots of families spend anywhere from 10 to 30% of their income on childcare, with single parents and low-wage workers taking the biggest hit. Add to that, according to a study from Rock United, 44% of working mothers have had their restaurant careers stifled because of childcare needs. They often get less desirable shifts, fewer promotions, and some even get demoted. Federal childcare programs like Head Start can be a lifeline for working parents, but there are too few good options for childcare during dinner service. Hopefully, more states will follow Texas's lead. Last fall, the state launched Service Industry Recovery Child Care Program, which provides care stipends to restaurant workers who make 75% below the state's median income. So far, 11,000 children are enrolled in the program. Welcome back to Shift Work. We have Sheila Bennett from CORE um, on the line with us. And Sheila, we're going to get into some rapid-fire questions. So um, rapid-fire meaning, you know, one minute or less. Um, with your answers. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. First question, when and how should workers apply for a core grant? When and how? Um, please apply within six months of your circumstance. How? Go to coregives, C-O-R-E-G-I-V-E-S dot org, O-R-G. And online, you can apply for a grant and then you can also upload documentation and we will call you directly and speak to you about your case. 
Said like a pro, Sheila. Love it. Um, question number two. Name one thing every restaurant in America could do to better accommodate working parents. Well, that question requires more thought. That's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a deep question. Well, the one thing they can do, again, is push back on their insurance providers to see if they can get group pricing for childcare services or benefits, you know, where they can provide benefits. And that's something that the industry has been talking about for a long time. But again, see if they can create some type of partnership with these organizations in their community. Mm. Sheila, I typically don't do this actually during the rapid fire questions, but you bring up a really interesting point, which is... Um, I think that there we kind of have a general assumption that um, potentially restaurant workers can obtain insurance either through the marketplace and affordable options and or that their um, employers actually offer insurance. And what if neither one of those circumstances are available to them? That's a great question. And to be honest, I don't know the answer to that question. Um I would ask your employer if they have resources, if they're a local operator, perhaps they can connect you to the State Restaurant Association, or they can inquire if there is a program available in their state, because sometimes insurance programs are state-managed and led versus um, national. So, And I believe some SRAs, which is a State Restaurant Association, may have information to help the operators that, that in turn can help their employees. Great. Awesome. Thank you, Sheila. Question number three, who's another woman in the industry that you admire? Well, I can't narrow it just to one person. There are so many that have just inspired me every step of my career. Number one, Edna Morris. She's been a leader of restaurant brands and just an amazing woman. Um, two, Karen Stutz, CEO of Native Foods. She has been an amazing leader. Uh, one of my friends in Atlanta who we were in La Dame d'Escoffier together, she's a chef, she's a culinarian. She gives back to the industry in such a beautiful way. Jennifer Hill Booker, and she's got a couple of cookbooks out. Um, she also works with students in the community and inspires them, you know, to find a career in this industry, talks about the opportunities and how to navigate that, you know. Um, oh, my gosh. It's just really, and I know I'm missing a lot of people who I admire tremendously, and that's just a very, very abbreviated list. Sure, sure. Thank you for sharing. Um, number four, tell me one story or a thing that gives you hope. You know, um, I have to go back to our industry is a beautiful community. And this industry is number one industry of opportunity. They're, you know, they give back to their communities and they're also there for those when they need it the most. And back in 2015, and that's what CORE is. CORE is here. And why CORE is so special to me as well is in 2015, and this is a longer answer, I went through brain surgery and navigated through a year of surgery, radiation, physical therapy, and People in this industry were there for me in such a beautiful way. So it's the people that inspire you and the people that you gravitate to. So again, find your mentor, find that person that advocates for you, build that network, that community, build friendships because they will last a lifetime. I'm so glad you shared that, Sheila. Thank you. Um, that is an incredible, incredible story. Um, you know, last and and certainly not least, what are you most excited about for 2022? 
Wow. <laughs> I'm most excited about being part of even more events and conferences this year where CORE will be the charity of choice as we're branching out beyond the beverage vertical, which is the whole reason we exist. They founded us, but we're also getting more visibility, especially with help from friends like you, of letting people know that CORE is here as a resource and more people are stepping up to help and support financially as well so we can help more employees with children in this industry when life doesn't go as planned and they face the qualifying event. Sheila, that's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today on Shift Work. This has been um, a really fun, enlightening episode. I think we've shown a little bit of positivity um, on the industry at a time that we need it. And I just appreciate your thought leadership in this. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity and for letting people know that CORE is here as a resource or anyone can also get involved, go to our website, become a volunteer and or, you know, support our work. But thank you again for the opportunity and CORE is here to serve. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Shift Work. To learn more about RWCF's work and donate to the cause, visit www.restaurantworkerscf.org. Thanks for joining us on the podcast and in the work as we bring you stories from the heart of the restaurant industry. Links to the organizations and resources mentioned in this episode can be found on our show's notes. I'm your host, Kiki Luya. Our engineer is Liam Werner, and the show is produced by Hannah Forden and Caroline Hatchett. Shift Work is produced in collaboration with Heritage Radio Network, America's pioneer food podcast network. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. 